Turn to the Point, publisher and editor-in-chief of Business in Vancouver. Today's podcast is part three in a series of four, examining the intricacies and challenges of buying and selling a business. Today's is part one about selling a business. It's part of our Business Excellence series, and it's sponsored by the law firm Richards Will Sutton and the financial services firm Roy Nat Capital. My guests are experienced and expert in the complex terrain of selling a business, and I think the next 20 minutes or so will be a valuable education for you. David Harvey is a member of the Business, Law, and Employment and Human Rights Practices Group at the law firm Richards Well Sutton. His primary focus includes mergers and acquisitions. Derek Strong is the Regional Director at Roy Nat Capital, a prominent financial services firm that arranges capital for transactions in this space. Jason Bryce is a business broker with his own firm, founded jasonbryce.com online, with well more than 100 such experiences in buying and selling. And Arturo Cobb is a business broker and franchise consultant at Murphy Business Brokers, which deals with buying and selling businesses. Let's join the conversation. Thanks for joining us today at BIV Today, the business podcast from the newsroom of Business in Vancouver. I'm Kirk LaPointe, publisher and editor-in-chief. You're watching a two-part series in our Business Excellence series of podcasts on buying and selling a business. This episode looks at selling, and my guests are experienced and expert in the complex terrain of selling a business, and I think the next 20 minutes or so will be a valuable education for you. David Harvey is a member of the Business Law and Employment and Human Rights Practices Group at the law firm Richard Wells Sutton. His primary focus includes mergers and acquisitions. Derek Strong is the regional director at Roy Nat Capital. It's a prominent financial services firm that arranges capital for transactions in this space. Jason Bryce is a business broker with his own firm, found uh, at jasonbrice.com online with well more than 100 such experiences in buying and selling. And Arturo Kalb is a business broker and franchise consultant at Murphy Business Broker, which deals with buying and selling businesses every day. Uh, first uh, a segment, of course, dealt with the buying side. This segment is dealing with the selling side. Now, look, uh, we know that uh, in some ways you've got to have a, a form of, uh, of readiness in all of this. Um, let's talk first of all about the, the, the financial readiness in this. And David, start me off about what kind of financial state you've got to be in determining how it is that you're going to sell. Sure. Um, and I think the key thing for, from the financial perspective is, is talking to your accountant, talking to them regularly and, and talking to them in advance of, when you think you might need to sell, when you think you might want to step away from the business, um, but having that discussion regularly with them uh, in order to take it, you know, there's all sorts of benefits for uh, vendors if they're properly structured, um, they can take advantage of a certain tax treatment. So you want to make sure that you're structured properly. And sometimes that takes years to affect and make sure it's, it's in place. Um, so that's kind of more the, the accounting side. Uh, financial readiness, I, you know, I guess it depends, you know, is the business still, does it still make economic sense for you? And is it the best use of your time and your resources going forward? Derek? Yeah, great question. <clears throat> I always like to say to people, the day you buy the business is the day you start thinking about how you're going to sell your business because <laughs> it's not an over, it's not an overnight process. And people who wake up one morning and want to sell their business the next day, they're not going to end up with the right result. You know, this is this is a long-term plan, 
that somebody needs to put into effect, I'd say, you know, a few years before they're ultimately going to sell their business. You know, the things that you need to look at to what I'd call maximize the value of your business is let's make sure that our corporate structure is all correct. Let's make sure we have the right tax planning in place. Let's make sure that we're treating our business like a business and not like our personal bank account and separate your personal expenses from your business expenses. Uh, let's make sure that we provide quality financial information so that when people actually look at your company, they're comfortable with the numbers they're looking at. Um, those are just a few examples of things that you can do as a business owner to improve the value of your business and get your business ready for sale. Yeah. Jason, uh, pick up on on all of this. What, uh, what kind of financial position at least need you be in? Yeah, I mean, I, th- I could even go back even further than and Derek and David made made great points, but even further than that, the seller needs to start readying themselves that their business might not be worth what they think it's worth. Very, very seldom does someone come to me, they say, I think my business is worth 2 million bucks. It's very seldom worth barely half that. I mean, we we often say in our tour, we'll say the same thing. You want to know what your business is worth, ask the seller and cut that in half. And that's sort of a a, a (laughs) answer. But that's pretty, that's pretty rough. That's pretty yeah, part of our journey is working through the seller, through the emotional reality that even before we're ready to get our financials in order, that, that their business might not be worth even in the stratosphere of what they thought it was worth. Arturo, is, is that the way it works? Is where where uh, you know people overstate what they think they're selling? Well, totally. Or, or, or you have the other, the other side that they say, well, I need this much to retire. Right. I mean, I need this much money, my business worth X, you know, for me to retire. And the buyer doesn't care about how much you need to retire. Right. I mean, so, so it's a, before that, the agent says, okay, we have to have an, an, an accurate value of what the market would pay for, for the business. Right. So that, that's, that's one of the most important stages that, that I mean, things that the, that the seller has to have in mind. It's a, it's psychological as much as anything, isn't it, Derek? Uh, yeah, oh, definitely. I mean, is the is your mindset ready to exit your business? A lot of people, you know, their business is their baby. They started it 25, 30 years ago, and it's been their entire life. And frankly, the life for their family, it's, re, their, it's their reason to tetra. It's why they exist. You know, that's how people perceive them. And it's a really big decision. So this, is, this isn't a decision you should make by yourself. This is a decision you need to make with your spouse and your kids if you have kids because it can have a major impact on yourself and your family going ahead. It's, it's, a, it's a tremendous decision and probably one of the most, well, certainly probably the most fi- important financial decision you're going to make in your life next to starting your business. David? Yeah, definitely agree. Uh, you know, you're going to need the support of your, your family around you as you go through with this transaction. It's going to take a lot of time and energy. Uh, a lot of the time, you know, a lot of my clients, their family members are involved in the business in some capacity as well. Um, yeah. What, what, what do you start doing if, it, if it's apparent that there isn't necessarily a consensus on, you know, on the selling side? How do you start working that through, David? Do you have to almost be like a a couple's a family counselor here. Fortunately, not that often for my for my uh, transactions that I'm working on. Quite often, the transactions I'm working on will have you know one or maybe a couple of individuals calling the shots, and everyone just falls in line behind them. 
Um, but it is important, you know, if you're selling, especially if you're selling shares of a company um, and there's other investors out there, you need them all to, to be in agreement that they're selling at the end of the day to, uh, to the buyer. Usually buyers don't want to uh, consider going into the business with people that they don't know, at least for, for um, you know, privately owned businesses. Okay. Jason, weigh in on this one about the, the psychological readiness. Yeah, I mean, Derek nailed it on the head. Uh, just, you know, a lot of my clients, they're, they're in their 70s. They started the business 40 years ago. This is, this is their baby. I tell people I'm an adoption worker, not a business broker. I mean, it really is that kind of a process. And um, I think the other thing to, that I try and get people psychologically ready for is from the time they first make that phone call to me till we go through initial valuation to get it to market, to get it under offer, go through all the due diligence, have the deal fall apart a couple of times, get the deal done, get them completed their training. That's 18 months. And wow. it's a big journey on average. That's about 12 to 18 months is about what that is. I mean, sometimes it can be wicked quick, but, uh, but that's a big part of the, the, our prep is, is preparing people for all the stages that are going to come. It's emotional for sure. So, so how do you, how do you manage somebody through that kind of, protracted process is it is it a you know you you, you've just got to keep nursing them along or or do you (laughs) is your is your general approach arturo that uh you know come and see me when you're really ready because you're not really ready yet well i think at the the beginning uh, i mean we have to make a a judgment call i mean if the person is ready to sell and and decided to sell i mean of course there has to be a a compelling reason, right? I mean, retirement, actually want to retire or, or um, I mean, an unforeseen or unfortunate illness or, or, or a partnership that's not gone well or divorce, something like that, right? But then, yeah, I mean, during, if it's a committed seller, I mean, it doesn't matter. I mean, there will be stages during the process, which as Jason said, it's, it's long, <laughs> it's really long, that emotions are, are getting in the way, right? And, and you have to, counsel and, and be the buffer, right, between, <laughs> between the parties and, and, and guide them through this guide them process, right? Is there a, a point, uh, David, where you actually can tell that somebody is, um, is doing the right thing, is ready in their minds in order to proceed? Yeah, a lot of... I think my experience is a little bit different uh, than everyone else's here. Uh, usually by the time the lawyers get involved, or at least that's been my experience, um, they've turned their mind to it a lot more and they're more prepared to go ahead with it. Again, they're spending money to make that a transaction happen <laughs> at this point. Um, you know, not to say that it doesn't happen where you, we have a vendor that has cold feet or second thoughts about whether or not they should be proceeding. And, you know, my job as a lawyer, I'm not, no incentive to see the transaction through. I want to make sure that the clients are doing it with the right, uh, for the right reasons. Um, so, you know, we will take a pause and, and, uh, and discuss it and make sure that they're ready to proceed. And if they're not, then, then I'll advise them not to. So are, are you saying, am I hearing you right here that maybe by the time you're seeing a lawyer, um, you, you usually are ready? Oh, a lot of the time, not to say, it kind of depends where the transaction comes in. So if the transaction is with a, a new client, then usually they've gone through the initial stages and they, they might have even a letter of intent in place, setting up the business terms, you know, the price and that kind of thing. 
um, as opposed to the clients that are, you know, clients that you've had for years and you're dealing with them regularly on other matters. Uh, and then they come to you and they, they tell you that they want to sell. They'll usually tell you in advance. Uh, and there may be a little bit more coaching in that situation uh, as you, you know, try to clean things up and get things ready for a transaction. Yeah. Derek, tell me, what do you think are the criteria to understand when someone is truly ready? You know, I think we talked about that earlier. It's like, this is not an overnight process. You shouldn't wake up one morning and, you know, November the uh, 16th or whatever, November the 12th mm-hmm. and say, I'm going to sell my business December 31st, right? That is that is not how you sell a business. It's not good for you mentally and it's not good for anyone involved in the business. So these processes are very long and protracted. And, and I'd say a well-planned exit from your business is going to take, you know, three to five years from start to finish. So, you know, by the time you've gone through a year or two of getting ready, then the last year where you take your business to market and you're exiting, like this is a long process. And during that time, you've got lots of abilities to exit. And so, you know, when we're getting near the end of those deals, I, I mean, those are the successful deals that get done, you know, where the owner has really spent a lot of time sitting going down this path. You know, maybe at this point in their but in their uh, career, in their business, they're actually not even working in their business anymore. They've already semi-retired. So it's just a natural progression to the next level. I always ask people, you know, when they're selling the business, how many uh, how many days a week do you work in your business? How many, how many weeks a year? And if they're always in their business, maybe they're not really ready to sell. But then there's the other owner who spends six months a year when there isn't COVID in Palm Springs. And I mean, those, those type of people, you know, there's a sense, there's a mental mindset where they're actually ready to leave in a lot of yeah. respects. Jason, what do you do for um, vendors who want to hang on, who don't, who, who want to sell, but don't really want to leave, if you know what I mean? Yeah, that happens. Then, then we've got a little bit of a different proposition we're selling. So, you know, sometimes the buyer is the type where they want that owner out of there. And that's one type of buyer we have to go find them. Um, uh, I've sold a number of times where I've sold three quarters of a company and, and the seller wants to retain 25% ownership. And for the next five years, that's fine. That's that's a different kind of process for us then. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so we can adapt whatever the whatever the seller wants, as long as it's reasonable. Uh, we'll make it happen. Arturo, what what do you do when uh, the vendor wants to stay put somewhat or or hover anyway around uh, the new uh, the new regime? What how do you manage that one? Well, it, it has to go hand by hand with the structure, right? I mean, even as a, as a shareholder with a minority stage or, or, or a consultant, right? I mean, of course, if the buyer wants that, no? but uh, I mean, that would probably would be the, the two ways to go if, if he or she wants to, to hand yeah. in the for a while. Um, David, uh, let's look at the, the some of the legal consequences here. Um, I'm always intrigued when when I hear people say that uh, you know the process is going to take some time. About um, what what obligations, if any, do you have to uh, as as the owner to tell, say, the management team to tell perhaps the other investors that you, as the majority owner, are moving along. What what are the what are the legal requirements in all of this as you? move yourself as you, toward the sale of, uh, of your business. So for the, the, the management, management team, for the employees, it's always a bit, 
of a challenge because uh, as a seller, it's a bit of a risk to tell your employees uh, if you're selling the business, it can you know give them cold feet, it can make people consider their options. Now, if you do have a sophisticated business where you've got a management team in place, they will need to be apprised of what's going on because they're going to need to be involved in, in the transition. Um, but usually we we'll want to make sure that we've got a firm deal in place before we get there. Um, and that is usually in the form of a, a purchase agreement with you know, some and maybe all of the uh, pre-closing conditions removed. So you've got a you know, fairly concrete deal in place and you're just marching towards the closing. Uh, when you've got other investors involved, it, it depends on what rights that those investors have. Um, you know, for, for privately owned businesses, a lot of the time um, the investors will have equal rights, in which case they'll need to be involved right from the beginning. You can't have them lingering in the background um, unless you've got a shareholder agreement dealing with their, their rights uh, or their rights are you know, secondary and they don't have the right to, to step in the way of, of the transaction. In which case you don't need to tell them up front, but usually you would do so you know, before closing um, and it would come down to what your obligations are in your, in your contracts and your shareholder agreement and the articles if there are any. Yeah. Join us for part four of our conversation tomorrow. All of the series can be found later this week at BIV.com. I'm Kurt LaPointe, publisher and editor-in-chief at Business and Bank Group. Thanks for joining us.